Lauren's Heal program has healed so many aspects of my life. Heal impacted my life hugely. When you ask for growth, you're given opportunities to grow. The journey that Lauren took us on was beyond words for me to describe. As we explore the content in today's episode, I want to gently remind you that the doors to my signature life transformation program called HEAL are opening very soon. If you're listening to this podcast because you are on a path to personal transformation and you're ready to get more results on your healing journey, do deeper work than ever before, and see epic results in your life as you blast through your own personal limitations, I want to encourage you to take a step forward today to learn a little bit more about the HEAL program to see if it's a right fit for you. HEAL is my signature six-month personal transformation program. It's a 12-step immersion process that I have seen students go through and create epic results in their life. Just have a listen. I don't even feel like I'm the same person. I feel like I've had a different incarnation within the same lifetime. You had a big financial explosion the first round of HEAL. Let's, yeah, so let's talk about what happened for you. $28,000 in 36 hours. I spent so many years in therapy and thought, why am I not better yet? Why can't I let go of these insecurities? Why can't I heal the past? <laughs> I didn't know it was gonna take a spiritual journey with you. It's been the best thing ever. I came in really wanting to heal the relationship I had with myself because I felt like there's lots I want to work on, but it all begins with me and the way I am in all of these situations. Things have massively changed. And my friends have noticed, I can only say this honestly, hand on heart, it works. Anything that you want to heal for yourself is truly possible. Your relationship with money, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your body, your relationship with everything around you can transform when you start to do the work from within. I'm so excited to share this step-by-step -step process with you that is rooted in personal transformation and results. For more information, to consider yourself a student of this work, you can go to laurenoflove.com slash heal and see all the details about our next round of the program. Make sure you grab a spot on the waitlist to get exclusive offers as bonuses and to be the first to know when doors open. Hello, my gorgeous lovebird. Whew. Welcome back to the Lauren of Love podcast. So happy to be here with you guys today. I'm recording super early, which means I'm in this like really flowy, sort of grounded, early rising energy. I'm sure many of you guys can relate. Uh, I just finished my morning align time practice, which I do every single morning for self-care. And later today, we are doing our Align Time practice inside of the Soul Portal membership with all of our students. So I'm really excited. It just feels like a really beautiful day, especially because I'm sitting down to record this episode for you guys. So a little bit about me and what's going on in this current point in time, because I really love sharing that with you guys and really opening up about my own process of healing and spiritual study and self-expansion and embodiment. There's, there's so much 
moving for me right now. I just got back from a deep dive study in Sedona. I'm going to be going out there again in May. And, um, you know, I think one of the things I'll say, you guys know I travel out to Sedona pretty often now for plant medicine study. It's something I've been doing ever since I had my year-long study in Sedona for healing, which took place back in 2020. And um, yeah, I just feel so deeply that there's this like next layer of expansion that is being birthed through me. And I don't know if you can relate to this feeling, but it's just like this knowingness that things are opening, that life is expanding, that the next layer of everything that you want is on its way. I think sometimes in this healing process, going on a healing journey, whether you are healing your body, you're healing your emotions, you're healing your finances, you're healing your self-empowerment, maybe it's like all of those things because that's what I'm about, right? Healing everything all together. Um, I do think that there's kind of these seasons that feel like cyclical, you know, we like ebb and flow through these processes of growth and expansion. And when it comes to healing, sometimes we go through these phases of the cycle that feel very like dry or very hard. It's like trying to grow fruits and vegetables in winter time. You know, it feels like hard. There's like a lot of resistance. And when we kind of just embrace and accept the seasons, we can shift into a new perspective of patience and recognizing that everything that's happening is happening exactly as it should. And that surrender is really what allows this sort of um, opportunity of healing where you can step into other seasons that are really shifting and like quantum leaping all at once. So I went through a season where things felt like they weren't really moving very quickly. I was you know, growing, but I was kind of like integrating and taking my time and things really weren't moving that quickly, but I kept being patient and I kept trusting the cycle and the seasons that I was in. And just recently going to Sedona, I feel like I had the biggest quantum leap. I mean, there's so much to tell you, so much to process. I just will say for now that like, Whew, I just feel like I'm coming deeper into myself and, and into my service and into my purpose and my alignment with spirituality is just deepening and deepening. And so it's really cool. I have committed to the decision that I am going to do a dieta in the jungle in Peru in November, which we'll talk more about. This is all plant medicine language. Going to do a dieta in the jungle basically means I'm going to be sitting with a shaman in um, Peru and uh, going bare bones in nature and doing deep work studying with master plant teachers in addition to ayahuasca. So I'm really excited about it. It's going to be really beautiful and uh, I just feel very, very ready for this next layer of growth. And I want to remind you here as you're listening, you know, I have accomplished and have overcome so much on my journey of self-healing. And I do think it's really important to mention that even though we overcome in our healing process, there's also this other season where we get to use healing and the modalities of healing to expand into other realms of possibility beyond our wildest dreams. So healing is not just about getting out of the bad. It's also about 
healing into your expansion, healing into your success and your abundance and prosperity. Right now we are, as I'm recording this, I think we're going into week nine of uh, the HEAL program with our winter cohort and we're almost done. HEAL is a 12-week immersion process with 12 weeks of integration following it. And so we're like right on the edge of shifting into integration. And I wanted to take a minute first to share with you some audio from our last live coaching call in the HEAL program. So let me just play this clip for you really quick. These are students. This is not scripted. These were some of the most beautiful clips from our recent live coaching call of HEAL from our winter cohort. And just you got to listen to the magic of what has transpired for these women in the program. For so long, I felt so stuck and I'm having all these huge like aha moments, like whatever. And I know we're starting to get to the integration phase, but I feel like so much has shifted, so much has changed. And I'm super kind of connected in with this higher self, my inner child. And like, I can sit here right now and I can feel the energy and the stuff I want to embody. And it's so real. And doing the training and my like life has changed 360 80 and it's like so fast I'm like what the fuck but I feel happy and I feel normal now like the first time in my life holy shit I am I am such a different person from that Brittany I don't even look like I it's it's I celebrated myself just so so hard in that moment this time last year I was having panic attacks so to be here and you have been like you are from God for me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, pretty amazing, right? <laughs> I had to share that with you guys today because I just want, I want to expand you. I want to help inspire you to know that you can be somewhere right now in your current moment in time, knowing that you want to be in a different place, knowing that you want more for yourself, knowing that you want to heal, to expand, to grow, to step into your highest self. And even if right now it feels like those things are hard or out of reach, I hope that this previous audio clip just reminds you that you are so capable. It is so possible to transform and everything that you desire is your birthright. So if you are curious about coming into the HEAL program, our spring cohort is literally opening doors in a month on April 25th. I'm so excited. And please stay tuned because there's going to be an offer coming out next week that will invite you into a free healing series to help expand you and take you to the next levels of your own healing. So regardless of whether or not you are coming into the HEAL program when we open doors on April 25th, I do invite you to come into that free series when we announce the details next week to help bring you one step closer to your goals. And uh, today on the podcast, so super excited about this, I'm going to be diving into a 
channeled conversation around how I have healed my mental health. I'm really enjoying doing these episodes that are um, just so specific on how I have healed certain aspects of my life. I recently recorded a three-part series on how I healed my chronic Lyme disease and the reviews, the feedback, the comments, the messages, it's just been so beautiful to hear you guys say that these episodes really have done a lot for you, have spoken to you. So if you are in a place where chronic illness is something that is uh, a struggle for you, just know that those episodes exist on the podcast. You can go back and listen to them. And today we're talking all about how I healed my mental health. And later on in the month, I'm going to be going into more specifics around things like how I have healed my marriage, how I have healed my relationship with food, body image. We're just going to talk about all of the aspects of healing. Healing is really when we look at it, sometimes we're like very focused and fixated on one thing. We're like, oh, I want to heal my relationship with money or I want to heal my mental health or I want to heal my body. But all of these things exist within a web, a beautiful web of healing and they're all connected. And one of the things we do first and foremost in the HEAL program is identify through this study I talk about called Life Mastery. There are five areas of life mastery that create the foundation for a healed life and uh, just identifying you know what your focus is for your healing because sometimes it can feel really overwhelming to have multiple things that we're working on but just knowing that all of these things are connected and when we work on one we work on all so if you are really focused on uh, one particular area of your life it is really important to make the connections of like well, okay, I want to heal my mental health, but how does my mental health affect my business? How does my mental health affect my marriage? How does my mental health affect my self-confidence? Like all of these things are connected. And so if you are in a place where you are feeling like you want to heal your mind, uh, maybe you struggle with mental illness, maybe there is something in your past that you know, really holds you back, trauma, um, wounding, past programming related to mental wealth and mental health, Um, you're going to have just loads of information today in this podcast episode. So I invite you to sit back, relax, enjoy. And if you are feeling the call to go a little bit deeper on your healing journey, remember that free series is opening doors next week. And then we'll also put in the show notes some podcast episodes for you to explore. Want to remind you as well that if you go to laurenoflove.com slash podcast, you can see a breakdown of different topics on the show and literally browse the show through topic. So if you want all of the episodes related to plant medicine, all the episodes related to wealth consciousness, all the episodes related to self-healing, you will have that resource of list on laurenoflove.com slash podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into one of the most heart racing episodes for me. I'm excited to record this one for you guys, but of course, this one is so dear and tender to my heart. Mental health is something I've been really going on a wild journey with ever since birth, and uh, I know that this is like, we are healing our minds, but we're also healing for the collective, and we're also healing for our ancestral line as well, which we'll talk about in today's show. So this is a really potent, powerful one. I hope you enjoy. Sit back, relax, 
And uh, yeah, finally, like take some notes, guys, you know, like study, let's study what's coming through in this channel because I have a feeling it's going to be really good. <laughs> I love you so much. And just a reminder, finally, because I love reminding you guys of all the things, don't forget to come and meet me on Instagram at Lauren of Love. Love to see you guys screenshotting the show, sharing it on your platform, helps other people get the information that they need to, because if you're struggling with this and you are listening to today's episode, probably safe to bet there are people in your energetic space that are also moving through these things, and it can be a really beautiful gift of service to share and um, you know, publicly offer your community a chance to go deeper as well. So if you feel the call, you can screenshot this episode, share it to Instagram, and tag me at Lauren of Love. Okay, enough of that. Let's dive in. I want to start today's episode by speaking to the fact that everything that I share, whether it's on this podcast, on the Instagram, or inside of the HEAL program, is solely based on my own personal journey. And I think that's really important to mention because I know when it comes to mental health, mental illness, mental diagnosis, that everybody is on their own sacred journey. And so like always, as we open up the container of this conversation, it's really just important that you remind yourself that your journey is sacred. Your journey is your own personal experience. And while some of the things that I shared today may really resonate and land with you, there may be some things that don't, and that's okay, right? I really, really think healing is such a beautiful experience because it is so, so present time, and where you are in this present moment, you may have certain perspectives about your healing and your journey that are very true. And what I'll also say is five years from now, three months from now, after this podcast episode, you may have different perspectives. And so, you know, it's just really important because I know for me, when I started my healing journey and people would say certain things to me about what I was navigating or what was really going on, you know, there were many times where I was like, that's not, mm -mm, no, (laughs) no. But later on, as I grew and expanded, Uh, certain perspectives did start to sink in. And uh, I just want to share that with you, you know, as you explore the conversation today. Today's conversation is also a really challenging one for me. And it's not because I'm uncomfortable with sharing. It's not because I'm like afraid for you guys to see me or like to be super vulnerable. I've I've listened, (laughs) I've committed to the fact that in this lifetime, I am a vulnerable pocket of rawness for all of you guys and like that's so beautiful and I love that I think what makes me uncomfortable is the fact that because my mental health healing journey and the thick of it was such a long process like when we talk about healing there's this season called the thick of it where you're like going through the really deep heavy heavy stuff And for me, that wasn't like a month or a couple of years. That was like decades, okay? Like, so there's a lot of time in the thick of it. And when you go through periods of challenge that are very, very long in your lifetime, it can feel like it takes a little bit longer to process and to integrate and to really understand 
what has happened, why it happened, what really was going on, right? Like hindsight is 2020, that kind of perspective. So, um, you know, for me, as you're going to hear, and I talk about my story, my journey with mental health was very, very long. And so I've really struggled with at times putting together the pieces in a way that um, makes sense and is cohesive and like tells a story. A little bit about this. I have tried many, many, many times to write a book. It has been something that I've always wanted to do. And the challenge I always face when I sit down to write is like putting everything into a cohesive, like put together narrative. So I just want to say that too. Please forgive me as we're having this conversation because I may jump around. I may talk a little bit about childhood and then go into my 20s and then go into my teenage years. And so we're just going to bounce around in this conversation. And I invite you to just bounce around with me in that layer of vulnerability. I do not have notes. I am channeling this whole conversation for you guys, really making it as potent and as juicy as I can. And I think, you know, just like sharing my healing of chronic Lyme disease, I think that this episode is just so dear to my heart because I know how challenging it can feel when there's a part of you that is holding you back, whether that is your body or your mind. It is so, so frustrating to want more happiness and success and fulfillment and prosperity and joy in your life and to also feel at the same time that you are getting in your own way with some conditioned pattern that you cannot seem to break. So I really hope that this episode inspires you to start to chip away at that rigidness of control that um, your mind may be holding on you and to just know that you are not your mind. You have a mind. You know, if we think about this concept really first and foremost as we dive in, like I have right now, I have a coffee cup on my desk. I have a hand on my body, right? I am not the coffee cup. I am not my hand, right? These are separate from me. I can choose how I interact with these things, whether it is something outside of me like a coffee cup or something on me like a hand. So you have a hand. You are not hand. You have a coffee cup. You are not coffee cup. You have a mind. You are not your mind. But the mind can really trick us or the mind can start to believe Um, start to make us believe that everything that it is filtering and saying and how it's working is in fact us and we have no control over it. So I want to just invite you first to remind you yourself that what you have, you also have the ability to change how you interact with it and how it looks and how you work with it. And that's a really, really important study to learn how to become a master of the mind. But the mind is often a byproduct of conditioned experiences that we've had in our life and the conditions of childhood and how we have been raised, the conditions that have been projected onto us by our parents, our peers, our adults as we grow into our fully formed humanness. And so there's a lot of work to do around this in identifying what is not mine and What I came to realize in a lot of my journey of healing was that all of this limitation within the mind, whether it was depression, anxiety, um, being diagnosed as bipolar, which we'll talk about like my journey of diagnosis as well, um, all of these things were like byproducts of conditions that I had experienced and faced. It was like my mind was 
the earth after a complete storm of destruction, right? The earth is destroyed by the conditions of the weather, right? And my mind felt like it was destroyed by the conditions of my upbringing. Now, I also want to say too, just something that's coming through as I'm talking to you guys, some of the conversation we're going to be having today, it may feel really triggering. It may feel really challenging. And, you know, you get to choose in this narrative what you do with triggers, how you receive them. I I do like to invite you guys to allow triggers to bring up what needs to be brought up because we are resurfacing things, you know, like part of healing is about getting uncomfortable. And that's something we talk about in the heal program as well. Like the resurfacing, letting old emotions come to the surface so that they can be released. You cannot release something that you are not aware of, right? And so sometimes there are certain things that happen when people listen to my conversations and podcasts where like light bulbs start to go off and like awareness starts to happen. You're like, oh my God, I went through that and I didn't even realize that was what that was. Oh my God. And then you feel all this emotion, right? So, you know, just I invite you again, like if things get really challenging in this dialogue or you feel like things are hard, you can take a pause and just kind of like step aside and take a breath, you know step away from this conversation or you can feel into it and just recognize that anything that comes up in the body within this dialogue is coming up to be released and that's a beautiful study as well letting things go so let's talk about the journey of mental health Um, a lot of subconscious study talks about how our brains between the age of zero and seven are kind of this you know subconscious sponge and we just absorb everything and we're giving everything meaning And how we are raised in our childhood between the ages of zero and seven can often dictate how we see the world, how we see ourselves, and what we believe about ourselves, and what we believe about the world, and what we believe about how ourselves interacts with the world. Unfortunately, the downside to this is that most of us do not remember what happens between the ages of zero and seven. Now, I have have a good... um, have some understanding you know I think uh, some of us do we can be like well I don't remember my childhood all that well but like I do remember this little piece and I kind of remember this little piece so um, I was the oldest on both sides of the family and I was born into uh, a family where all of my grandparents are Italian immigrants fresh off the boat you know had to learn to speak English to come to this country and there was a lot of pressure to make something of ourselves, right? I think that's something that a lot of immigrant families carry is this sort of strong desire to do something big, right? Make an impact, provide for the family in a big way. With that, there were also a lot of um, subconscious fears that were passed down to me. The fear of not having enough, the fear of scarcity, right? The fear of being unsafe. A lot of those things, while I can look at like my grandparents and see how they carry that from coming into a new country and like not speaking the language and needing to figure out how to provide for the family and making pennies in a sewing factory. Like I can also see how some of those programs and patterns were passed down to my parents, which then passed down to me, right? So I'm the oldest. I'm born in 1989. It's this huge big deal. Everybody is so super excited about it. 
And I am now a little subconscious sponge byproduct of my mother and my father. And when we're doing, you know, mental health screening and we're talking about our mental health to doctors, this is something that they often ask of like, does mental illness run in your family? Well, no, but trauma does, right? Like, and I think that's kind of the response that a lot of people have of like, you know, well, it doesn't necessarily run in my family because my mother and father grew up in times where mental health diagnoses were not prevalent, but my dad kind of has narcissistic tendencies and my mother has severe anxiety and PTSD. And so, yeah, and then there's depression from my grandpa. So like I could see, right? Like I could see all of this stuff around me. But, you know, back then, as my parents were raised and as my grandparents were raised, mental illness was really like this taboo thing. Even as I was growing up, it was not something that had a lot of attention. It wasn't something that doctors really focused on. It wasn't something that we were educated about in school. And so um, I really at a young age, didn't have the tools. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. We are not raised in environments where it's safe to talk about our feelings or to process our feelings or to share our feelings or to be held in our feelings. Emotions were suppressed. They were ignored. They were things you didn't talk about. And so this cre- this really creates a dissonant sort of viral Um, lack of safety environment for us as highly sensitive beings, which when I look at mental health and when I look at all of the students in the HEAL program who come in to heal their relationships with their minds, um, you know, not everybody comes in with these mental health conditions, but for a lot of us, it's like we've been raised in environments where we have not been allowed to feel. And when we are not taught how to properly hold ourselves in emotion because we are taught to ignore our emotions, we're taught to separate from our emotions, we have no ability to process and move energy. And so as light beings, as sensitive beings, as spiritual beings, like we often come into our family environments feeling like we are the black sheep of the family, that we are different, that we are energetically sensitive, that we are highly emotional. And when we don't have a good homeostasis environment, right, a symbiotic environment, we don't have the safe space to actually learn how to master our gifts. And that's, I want to say, see how I use the word gift? Like your, the fact that your emotions move from depression to anxiety to disassociation to uh, overwhelmed to stress to like, oh man, sadness. Like the fact that you can feel so immensely is a gift. It is not something that is wrong with you. It is a tool that you have been blessed with by the universe. But oftentimes we don't know how to use those tools properly because nobody has really taught us. So let's dive in. My childhood, right? I was the first one born. My sister was born after me and I had a lot of like jealousy. There was really no introduction into, oh, like you're, you know, are you ready? Do you want to be a sister? And like, what does this mean? It was kind of like just something that I feel like happened. And I grew up once she was born, not really getting the attention that I had gotten prior, which I think a lot of firstborn children have to go through this process of recognizing that they are not the only ones who need support. Like, my sister has two kids and I see it so clearly in her oldest son, the jealousy that he has around his little brother and the frustration of like, nah, like dad, pay attention to me. And like, 
you know, so there's a little bit of that. And part of that is just, you know, normal upbringing. And also at the same time, what may feel like normal, right? Like, yeah, okay, like that's not a severe trauma, but it can be a lowercase trauma for um, a child at that age who's feeling a lot of distress over not getting the attention or not getting the love or not getting the dedication from their parents that they once had because now there's two children. And, you know, that is just a small example of something that I really want to reign true for you. What you have been through in your life, whether it is identified as a capital T trauma, which we can often categorize as like sexual trauma, abuse, uh, moments that spark PTSD, severe devastation, right? We ha- some people have those and other people are like, well, my childhood was really, really good. It, like, I don't have much to complain about. But there were these lowercase traumas, these sort of little things that happened that really did shift reality. Another big thing that happened for me in my upbringing was that I had a brother who passed away 90 minutes after he was born. And I was six at the time, I believe, maybe five. And I remember like all the excitement going to the hospital and being so excited to see this baby and then to find out that this baby went to heaven and and is no longer here. And my little brain just like didn't understand this and was just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. But like no real processing, right? Like no real emotional conversations with my parents, just kind of moving through. And I share that because that moment is such a metaphor for how I grew up, where we didn't talk about feelings, we didn't allow ourselves to process things, we didn't really share what was going on. I also had this very traumatic experience when I was uh, about to go into first grade, and um, I stole uh, a candy bar and a crossword puzzle. or a word search book or something from the grocery store and I put it under my jacket and pretended I had a tummy ache so I could hold it in there and I was trying to get these things back home because I really wanted them and my mom told me I couldn't have them and at this moment in particular uh, really terrified me because how I was reprimanded for this was being told that I was going to go to hell, that they were going to tell my first grade teacher who was a nun that I did this, which of course brought up like so much shame for me. So at a young age, I'm having a moment where I'm experiencing shame at a severe level, right? All of a sudden, this emotion of shame, I'm witnessing it for the first time. I'm also experiencing the fear that I'm going to go to prison, that I'm going to go to jail, that my life's going to be taken from me at the age of seven. So really, really messed up experience. All of these things felt irrelevant in my mental health journey. But looking back, I can really see that these were kind of the little things that started to arise in my childhood between zero and seven that started to really shape my perspective of myself and my perspective of the world, which is that the world is not safe, bad things happen, my emotions are not respected, there's something wrong with me that I wanna go deep into my emotions, but I'm in an environment where that's not safe, right? And so all of these things just kind of rose to the surface. Now. How we are raised by our mother and our father often also dictate how we interact with the world around us through the masculine and through the feminine. And so as a child, I was stripped away, like many of us, of my true innate individuality. And when we are brought into this lifetime, we are conditioned by our mother and our father to be like them. 
We get rewarded when we do things that they want us to do. We get praised when we show up the way that they want us to show up. And me, I was this wild, messy, dirty little kid that like loved to be on the earth. I was a tomboy. I was wild. I always spoke my opinions. I was so outgoing. I was loud. I wasn't shy at all. And a lot of this was unfamiliar to my mother, who is very much conservative and contained and quiet and doesn't want to make waves and all of this. So I felt like at a young age, my mental health journey really began when I started to let go of these parts of my own identity because I felt like those parts of me were not loved or accepted or appreciated. And this is called the stripping away. And everybody who has been on a mental health journey at some point in their life has been stripped away of their own essence, whether that is a personality trait within yourself. Like I said, I was very outgoing and I was stripped of that. It can also be like your essence as somebody who feels safe. Maybe something happens where you no longer feel safety and then your essence of being somebody who is safe and has everything that she needs, which is how you are born, right? You are born in that essence of I am safe. I have everything I need. I am provided for constantly. All of that that you have and are born with at birth can often be stripped away through these traumatic experiences because we are human beings that give meaning to everything. So when something happens in your life that uh, is traumatic and makes you feel unsafe, you then form this belief, this meaning, you give this experience meaning that says, it is not safe to feel safe, right? This world is not safe. It's not safe to be myself, right? I also had this very deep conditioned programming from my childhood around, oh, and I'm just going to say this, this is going to be a long episode, you guys, so I'm just get, we're covering everything today. I love this. So good already. Um, I also had this conditioned element in my childhood where, you know, like I said, the mother and the father really dictate how you show up in the world. And I didn't feel like I got the love from my father that I really wanted because after that traumatic experience of losing a child, the way he showed up as a parent was very disconnected and he was going through a lot of anger and he had a lot of emotions that he hadn't integrated or really come to terms with or processed really sensitive things that, you know, today I don't think my, my parents have really processed that experience fully or have fully healed, right? So of course it's up to me, right? We, we take on a lot of what our parents have not processed so that we can heal our generational line, our ancestral line. Whew, so juicy, this role and responsibility we have in this lifetime. Anyway, so um, part of how my parents really dictated how I interacted with the world was feeling like I wasn't enough for my father's love, then in turn manifested as me constantly seeking love and attention from men, from boys, from teenagers. Even at a young age, I would chase the boys on the school playground to kiss them because I just wanted to feel loved. I wanted the attention. I wanted to be held. I wanted to be nurtured. So a lot of this is like um, desire manifesting and showing up when there's disconnect in receiving, right? So we all have desires to be loved, to be held, to be to be taken care of. Like that desire isn't wrong, but when there's a disconnect in not actually receiving what it is that you want, 
we then create unhealthy balance or ego-based aggression to create what we want. And so for me, ego-based aggression is like the right word for sure. I was so eagerly trying to get a boy to like me. And then this manifested in because I felt unintegrated with my own inner masculine because remember, I was this wild tomboy child and I was stripping that away to not be my full essence of self. And now I'm feeling like I don't have the full love and respect for my father because that's a mirror for me separating from my own internal masculine, right? You see how this is happening? Now I'm manifesting the dynamic with my peers where I have all of these boys in school bullying me and I'm like, I just need a boyfriend, I just need a boyfriend, I just need a boyfriend. And so all trauma starts from disassociated self. And so this is where my journey really began, where if I look back on my, you know, my health, my mental health issues, they all sparked probably between like the eighth and seventh grade. And yeah, we could tell ourselves this story. It's like, well, the brain is fully forming and this is where stuff happens. But yes, and sure, like on a physical level, yeah, okay, things manifest in your teenage years or when your brain is coming online into being a fully formed human and all these things. But you're not necessarily born with this like problem or something being wrong with you. It's like your soul was your soul was birthed into this lifetime where this is your study of like learning how to come back home to yourself, learning how to be in a healthy relationship with yourself and being in a healthy relationship with your mind and being in a healthy relationship with the world around you. So please let go of the story that you were born this way or that there was something wrong with you because I really do think that was one of the most limiting things that that played out for me was this idea that there was something wrong with me. I was just born this way. It was like diabetes. I just had to take a pill for the rest of my life and there's nothing I can do, which is word for word what a doctor had said to me. So this is where all the triggering stuff starts to happen, right? So I grew up in an environment where everything that you know now, you know, and also really important to mention, sexuality was something that was shamed. I grew up in a Catholic school environment. We were not really educated on sexuality until high school. Um, I didn't really know much about being in right relationship with sexuality. It was just something that was really deeply shamed. And when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I um, manifested this uh, boy who I really wanted to date, who I was like very excited about. And he um, went to public school and I didn't know that this kid was actually a very bad kid. He had been kicked, not that there are bad people in the world, but he was very um, distressed, very going through very difficult times in his life. His father had abandoned him. He was being raised by a very um, hyper-controlling mother, and he uh, had brought a knife to school and a gun to school and was sent to BOCES, which was this place you went when you got kicked out of public school. I didn't know any of this. I was this very like naive child just looking for a boy to pay attention to me. I was 13 at the time. He was 17, which, you know, that's like a very big age gap if we look back and recognize in our own timeline just how much we change from 13 to 17, at least for me. Um, and I, I experienced through this person my very first sexual trauma. And there are two incidences that I can remember. Um, one at a movie theater 
and then one in my own home where he and six other boys broke into my house. And it was a very traumatic experience, but at the time I didn't have any understanding for really um, knowing, hey, sometimes bad things happen to you and it's not your fault. I grew up in an environment where we would always take accountability for what we did wrong to a fault. So if something happened, it was like, well, how is this your fault? Or why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? And there was really no safe space to ever go through an experience where I wasn't blamed or shamed for my side of the fence. It was always, well, it's your fault. It's your fault this, it's your fault that, it's your fault this. And I knew in this experience that I did not have a safe space to emotionally process what happened. I didn't even know what happened needed emotional processing. I was in this place of let's just hide it, let's just ignore it, let's just pretend like it didn't happen, which is a condition of my upbringing, right? So now I'm separating myself from myself. My personality is stripped away. I'm separating myself from being in healthy relationship with the masculine, right? From all of the wounding of my parents. And now I'm also separating myself from having a safe container to emotionally process and separating myself from traumatic experience. And what happens in these moments when we're like birthed into situations that are unsafe, that are um, unhappy, that really cause like emotional upset, when we kind of stuff them down and ignore them and don't actually look at them, the shadow resurfaces and it will resurface over and over and over again until you actually take a minute to pause and look at these things. I once saw a psychologist quite recently actually share on her Instagram that she believes that every mental health condition is actually a dysregulated nervous system. And I, while I think this is true 100%, I also think it's important to just speak to the fact that dysregulated nervous systems are created through traumatic experiences, through challenge in your life. So after this time and after this period of, you know, having a, a sort of uh, a sexual trauma, because that's what it was, right? Very traumatic sexual experience. I completely separated myself from that trauma. And also to, um, I had a friend in a, at a very young age who got pulled out of school because she was harming herself. And so I lost a lot of my love and connection with her all at once. And that was really, really hard for me too. So I was going through loss at a teenage, in a, my teenage years, and I was going through this unintegrated trauma. And my parents at that time, I think I was like 13, they said, hey, we think you should like go to talk to somebody, right? We think that you should talk to somebody. And the fact that this was happening, I remember in this moment, like my parents actually being concerned about me. And I created a lot of um, good feelings around that. Like, yeah, oh, wow, it's like really great that my parents, wow, so when something's wrong with me, I get attention, right? So when I'm sick, I get attention. So when when I have something you know wrong with my emotions, I get attention. And I started to identify that this was my way of actually receiving love from my parents, which was to also support the belief that there was something wrong with me. So this experience happened. And then I went into high school. And in high school, 
I, I'm going to just make this note too. I started to notice a lot of mental dysfunction and I, whew, I, I was told, you know, so many people are like, oh, it's because you're a woman and you have hormones and you're going through your cycle and blah, blah, blah. But like, I really did feel like there was something very wrong with me happening. And I, yes, sure, maybe manifested these things because I knew that I identified getting love for having something wrong. But my mental health really started to take a turn in high school. And when I look back on the timeline of all of this, it was being on birth control. Okay, now here's what I want to say about this. This doesn't happen for everybody, but if you have a timeline where you were taking birth control or you were on birth control during a season of your life where your mental health was altered in some way, shape, or form, do not dismiss that knowing. I remember being 16, 17, going to doctors and being like, hey, something's wrong. Like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this. Like, I just started taking birth control a couple months ago. And doctors would say, mm, those things aren't connected. No, that's not, birth control can't do that. Mm, have you seen a psychologist? Maybe there's something wrong with you. So now again, right? Something wrong with me, something wrong with me. And this journey of healing in its greatest form is about returning home to the pure, beautiful belief that there actually is nothing wrong with you, okay? Like, there's actually nothing wrong with you. You are playing out programs and patterns from your childhood conditioned experiences, just like the coffee cup, just like the hand, that are not actually you. And so healing is the process of removing all of those things and getting clear about why they're playing out and releasing them and like having a method, like the heal method, to actually rewire. So not knowing any of this at the time, we're going to flash forward into my freshman year of college, still playing out unworthiness, still feeling totally insecure about myself, still craving love and attention from men, replaying patterns, ignoring my, my rooted original trauma here, which is the wounded masculine, right? I am now craving love, seeking, doing, just playing it all out, right? And I manifest a partner my freshman year of college who is incredibly emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, physically abusive, lots of gaslighting, um, lots of manipulation, and just slowly, little by little, piece by piece, tore me down further and further and further. And, you know, I really do think, like, while... I'm going to try to say this with a lot of love. We've all been through situations where we've been hurt by other people. And what's very important or what has been very important for me on my healing journey is recognizing that hurt people hurt people, right? And so this poor child that just abused me because he was being abused himself, it's also a manifestation of my own internal suffering, right? And so I, my freshman year of college was raped and this was like the capital T trauma that started to really open up the doors for me to feel everything that I had not processed, whether it was my brother's death at a young age or my sexual trauma at the age of 13, right? Or just all of the years of being bullied by men or just not being enough for myself or for others, like this capital T trauma was the like volcanic eruption that really just broke everything down and set me on this deep, deep path to um, the thick of it, right? So this was like the open doorway to my thick of it experience. 
And what this looked like was um, having a really traumatic sexual experience, being raped publicly was really, really um, a very traumatic experience, of course. And then after that, I had severe PTSD. And in the days that followed, I had agoraphobia where I was like afraid to leave my dorm room. I wouldn't, I would be afraid to walk on campus. So I would just stay in my dorm room for days. I started missing all of my classes. I was sleeping constantly, um, but at the same time was also having this feeling of not being able to go to bed at night. And so I would sleep during the day and then just be like fully wired, unable to go to bed, um, just so paranoid, like every little sound would just trigger me. Um, taking showers was like really traumatic for me as well. There were like things that just started to pop up. And this state of destruction, this PTSD response really brought me into a place of um, suicide and wanting to end my life and feeling like, man, I something must be really fucking wrong with me that I attracted these experiences and this suffering is so hard. I just don't want to be here anymore. And so I did attempt to take my life. I overdosed taking uh, a handful of Ambien and a handful of Adderall and just trying to end my life. Um, Got involved with dealers on campus to get all of these pills that would eventually lead me to the hospital the next day. And it was a really scary experience. Like I had to be loaded into the car and I was unconscious and went into a coma in the hospital. Like, it was a very serious thing. And when I got out uh, and I was alive still, I still had all of these feelings of not wanting to be there. And so the second time I got this desire to end my life, I actually admitted myself into the hospital. And this hospital looked at my records and saw that I had attempted suicide previously and said, you know, you're actually a threat to yourself. You need to go to a psychiatric facility. And I was 19 and got sent to an actual inpatient facility. And if you've never been in any of these environments, I think they are all different. But this one in particular was a mix of state patients, which state patients are people who are um, are either mandated to be there by the state or they have nowhere to go because their mental health is so deteriorated that they're put into these institutions. So there were a lot of people there um, that were just very not right of mind and it was very traumatic for me, again, at a young age to be surrounded by this. There were older people there who shared stories of prostitution and Uh, being raped by their fathers and there were people who were drug addicts after the war and watching their friends die it was like i was surrounded by people who were adults with like serious serious conditions and so for me again not enough not validated not safe to process your emotions i went through that whole experience of being institutionalized for three weeks okay at the age of 18 or 19 not expressing what had ever happened never expressing anything and this actually led to me being diagnosed with these certain labels and i think this is where 40 minutes in you guys are like okay yeah let's talk about diagnoses right because for a lot of us we've been given these labels by doctors mental health professionals where we are told you are bipolar disorder 
right? You are depression. You are anxiety, right? We are given these labels. We go, oh, I have this. Okay, I have, all right, I have something. Now I know what it is. Now it's the same thing with the Lyme disease story, right? Now I know what this is. Now I know it's not me. Now I know I have this thing. Yes, okay, it's like here. But this is like, it's so, it's such a loophole. And, you know, I say this so lovingly of like, your journey of healing, it's such a distraction, right? It, it can often be a really great thing in the moment and it may feel really nourishing for a while to have that label. But at some point we miss the mark because when we're telling ourselves, oh, it's just like I was just born this way and it's just my brain just doesn't produce the levels of serotonin that it should have, let me just take this pill. And here's why this, this is such an issue is that with a deregulated nervous system, taking a pill to shift your nervous system, whether it is because you have bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety, taking this pill to, to, to treat whatever is happening within the body is symptom treatment. It is not rooted trauma treatment. And I will say that treating symptoms can often be very helpful, okay? I am the first to admit that there have been seasons of my life where being on mental health medication was actually supportive for me. It allowed me to function. And I do think there's this like really big shame element in the spiritual industry where if you're spiritual, if you're a light worker, if you're a coach, if you're this or that, you should not be on any medication, right? And I just, please let it all go, okay? Let it all go. Um, you are so loved and you are so worthy of like actually being able to say, say, oh, whoops, sorry guys. Being able to say, hey, wherever I am at right now is like I'm going to tend to my needs and I'm going to give myself what I need and not feel any judgment or, you know, criticism for yourself based on that. But I do think that if we're like in that long-term approach where it's like, oh, I'll just take this pill for the rest of my life and then I'll be fine, that's not healing right? I think symptom treatment should be temporary and you should give yourself permission to actually explore the layers of what's coming up for you because they will repeat themselves. They will repeat themselves. So my diagnosis journey started here. I was put on many medications. I took Seroquel, which was actually a medication that if you know about the history of Seroquel is, um, Man, it's a sedative. Like I had to be helped out of bed every morning because it can be dangerous. It's such a sedative that you could like pass out and fall on the floor and crack your head open. So I had a nurse that had to assist me every morning. But it was a medication that was also used for violent inmates because it was such a sedative. So <clears throat> back in the day, this was like in the early 2000s, right? There were, um, there was a lot of over-medicating and lack of, of, of education around diagnosis and people would just easily get diagnosed and you would just be given a label and that was it. So my label at the time, borderline personality disorder. Um, I was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed with anxiety. I was diagnosed with depression. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD at one point. I had a lot of labels and I had a lot of medication. What ends up happening in this journey is that if, if you go in this process of like deeply trusting psychiatric, you will be over medicated. 
And so it started as taking one pill. It was like, well, I took this one pill, but then it gave me some side effects. So now I'm going to take this pill. And then it gave me this other pill and I'm going to take this. And what I will say also too, is that if you are of my generation or around my generation, um, I'm 33. So like if you're in your like fifties to maybe your twenties right now, um, this, this bracket of human experience, there's a lot of programming through technology, through television specifically, that really conditioned us to believe that big pharma solves our problems. And so there was a lot growing up of like, oh, you want to you wanna be sexually active? Just take this birth control pill. Look at all these happy ladies dancing. Yay, you can be one too, right? Like sexually empower yourself, take this pill. And so the pill was like, identified as sexual liberation. You have pain, take this Vicodin, right? There were actually advertisements for Vicodin on television. A lot of what caused my my certainty in the path of psychiatric support and taking medication was really, again, a conditioned belief from programming, literally TV programming, that pills solved problems. And I want to really invite anybody who has been down that path to just really think about that. Like, is that belief serving you? Is that belief actually supporting you? Is that a belief you want to carry for the rest of your life? Because taking pills can often just numb and suppress and make things worse. So what happened for me was that I went through a very wild ride of being so fully obsessed with my um, identity as somebody who had bipolar disorder. And I would read all of these books about people with mental health issues and identify with it. And I took all these pills and I had all these doctor's appointments and I was constantly immersed in this suffering. And what happens for a lot of people when you're taking, when you're overly medicated and you're numbed out, like not everybody gets this way, but for me, I was a walking zombie for several years. From the age of 19 to 26, zombie, 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 zombie. And I numbed out. I was suppressing everything. I wasn't looking at my trauma. I wasn't doing any inner work. I was just getting by. And, you know, I think about it and those medications, they made me a zombie, right? We could have a whole conversation about big pharma and the destruction of this and like what it really does to you. But I was really a zombie. And in those seasons, I was like the best fucking employee ever. (laughs) Like I was so diligent about work because I had no emotions. I was just like robot, like little robot, just do these things. Okay, 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 right? So I was just working constantly, but I also um, manifested my first marriage through this zombie state. And this is the thing, like when you're walking around unconsciously, the universe around you will continue to remind you to wake up. Hey, it's time to wake up. Hey, it's time to wake up, right? And so my first real invitation to healing and waking up was finding out that this man that I had married in my zombie state, taking all these medications a day, right? I was taking antipsychotics, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. I was taking a sleeping aid. I was taking Adderall. I was taking something for migraines, right? Like I was loaded up, okay? Loaded up. And in that zombie state, attracting a man where I was kind of clouded in my judgment because, again, I'm just like not – my intuition is not on. My self-awareness is off. 
I'm not making choices from a highest vibrational state because I have all this trauma that I'm not looking at. And in that process, um, I manifested um, a marriage to somebody who was actually um, an addict and was uh, an addict that was a closet addict and actually was taking our money and using it on drugs. He was manipulating in his job to steal money uh, and he didn't want to heal and he didn't want to change. And it was this like moment where just like the veil totally lifted and I was like, oh my God, I thought I married this man, but it's actually this man. What the hell? Like huge rattle. And again, like I can look at this experience and see very clearly that this was one of my greatest gifts from the universe that really forced me to wake up. And I realized, wow, of all of these experiences, I've attracted sexual trauma at the age of 13. I've attracted rape at the age of 19. I've attracted this really unhealthy marriage at the age of 21 getting married what the heck I have to do something about this and so this was really the start of me being aware that I am the common denominator in all of this and I remember reading I went to the bookstore I was like so lost still on medication really separating from this marriage and trying to start my life over and I went to the bookstore and I picked up Tony Robbins Awaken the Giant Within and in this book he said something so profound that <clears throat> was so simple but it just really shifted things for me that you and only you have the ability to change your life and your entire life is created by you. And like this sense of ownership was very new to me. It was this wake up of like, oh my God, it is actually my responsibility to make the best life for myself. And I've been living through trauma. I've been living through wounds. I've been living through suffering. I need to heal this. And so forgive my Alexa for just dinging off. <laughs> so this was the journey. This was the start. This was where I decided that I was going to start taking care of myself, start moving towards what I want. This actually took place in 2012 for your reference, where I got divorced. I ended this marriage. I think I was 20, where was I? I was 23 maybe at the time. And um, I ended my marriage and my grandfather died. And I got the Tony Robbins book. It was like all in the span of like, a three-month period, right? <laughs> All happening at once. And my grandfather had said to me, you know, please take care of yourself. That were Those were his last words to me, take care of yourself. And it was like, like God was speaking through him, like, wow, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm avoiding myself. I'm burning myself out at work. I'm making choices that are not serving me. I had an eating disorder. I was an alcoholic. I was overworking in my career. My marriage was falling apart. Wow, I am not taking care of myself. And so this was the start and the moment where I was like, you know what? I am going to actually do something different. I am going to actually give myself permission to believe that I deserve to be a healthy, fucking happy human being. And I'm going to fight for that. And I'm going to make that reality happen. I'm going to do everything I fucking can to live the life of my dreams. And so 
that was really the moment where I stopped living for, it's almost like the wounded masculine died when my grandfather passed away and like birthed within me was this opportunity to be like, hey, it's time to heal. It's like time to do this work. But what's really important to note, and we're going to wrap up on this episode and and dive into part two um, very soon, what's very important to note is like out of the thick of it, you think you're out of the thick of it and you're like, okay, now I'm going to like, now I'm going to actually like get healthy and be well. And it's just going to be smooth sailing from here. No, this is the journey that I think people really get curious about of like, how do you go from somebody who is so wrapped up in the diagnosis of having mental health issues to becoming somebody who actually has no symptoms, right? Like today, no mental health symptoms. And I had so many symptoms, like I was a mess. So this is the part of the story, like, you know, in the Lyme disease series, I talked part one, the story, part two, the protocols, right? This is like part one, the story, right? And now we're gonna go into part two where I'm talking to you about like the method of what actually happened when I came off these medications What was the process like of going from somebody who's so deeply identified as being mentally ill, like that was literally what I anchored into all the time, to being somebody who is now fully healed. So I hope that you're in for the juicy ride as we continue this story as we step into part two. If you are complete with part one, here's a challenge. Go share this on Instagram. Go tag me at Lauren of Love. I want to see you guys diving in, having this juicy awakening, hearing all the things. And finally, don't forget, if you're ready to go on your own healing journey, doors to the HEAL program open for spring cohort on April 25th. You can see the details of HEAL inside the show notes of this episode with the link, or you can go to laurenoflove.com HEAL. Wow, I can't believe I have just shared so much of my narrative with you guys. Like, wow, this is the detail of everything that brought me on my mental illness to mentally well journey. And I'm really excited to share part two with you. I hope you enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Hey sister, don't go anywhere just yet. I have a free offer for you as a gift for being a beautiful lovebird listener of this show. I wanna give any student who leaves a review on this podcast a beautiful free gift, the Six Laws of Wealth audio series. If you're creating prosperity, abundance, health freedom, financial freedom, this audio training series is going to shift and propel you into a new perspective of creating prosperity and wealth in your life. It's really simple to receive this free offer. All you have to do is leave a review on the podcast, write up some comments about how you feel this show has helped you. And when you're done, take a screenshot of that review and email our team. You can go to hello at laurenoflove.com and just share in an attached file a screenshot of your review. We'll respond back and give you a link to sign up for that free series, The Six Laws of Wealth Audio Training. It is a beautiful, jam-packed study, and I'm so honored to give you that gift for free. So again, just leave a review, write some love notes about how this podcast has changed your life, and take a screenshot, send it to us at hello at laurenoflove.com, and we'll respond back with your free access to The Six Laws of Wealth Audio Series. 
I look forward to seeing your review and I am so excited to share this series with you for free. Enjoy guys and I'll see you on the next show.